I'm Joe about Hate Street. This is SpielPod.com. The Week in Georgia in English coming to you from San Francisco's Lower Hate. Today is Thursday, the 22nd of November. On this date in 1908, the Congress of Monastir created a standardized Latin character-based Albanian alphabet to replace the six-plus variants that were currently in use. 1943, France releases Lebanon's government from prison, ending the French colonial period there, although the Allies occupied the country until the end of the Second World War. 1963, JFK was assassinated in Dallas. That afternoon, he was to give a speech asking, quote, that we may be worthy of our powers and responsibility, that we may exercise our strength and wisdom and restraint. The righteousness of our cause must always underlie our strength, end quote. 2004, Ukraine's Orange Revolution begins following a massively corrupt presidential election. Thousands of protesters forced the government to hold a second runoff in which Viktor uh, Yushchenko defeated the original winner, uh, sort of winner, quasi-winner, Viktor Yanukovych. I was there. It was impressive. 2005, Angela Merkel becomes Germany's first uh, female chancellor. Birthdays are, in 1881, Ottoman military officer Ismail Enver Pasha, responsible for the Ottomans siding with Germany in the, sec- in the uh, First World War, and one of the main perpetrators of the Armenian Genocide. Interesting, freakish character. 1893, Soviet politician Lazar Moiseyevich Kagaugovich, the longest-lived old Bolshevik, friend of Stalin and policymaker that helped create the Holodomor, in 1922, Azerbaijani composer Firket Mashadi Jamil Ogulu Amirov, who lived briefly in Tbilisi during, the Soviet, during his Soviet Army service and is known for incorporating Azerbaijani folk music into his compositions, and in 1962, Bangladeshi poet and television personality Rezwadin Stalin. I'm your host, Mark Mullen. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Remember, it was Lincoln that made it a national holiday in that dark year in our War for National Atonement, 1863. Speaking of atonement that hasn't happened, today is also a good day to remember that an important aspect of the recent elections was preventing people from voting, many people, but specifically on Thanksgiving Day, Americans in Native Americans in North Dakota. So speaking of ways to save democracy, stay relentless. If you'd like to comment on the form or ask a question, go to tbilpod.com or send us an email at tbilpod, T-B-L-P-O-D, at gmail.com. Prime Minister Mamuka Bakhtadze announced a deal this week that would write off the debts of over 600,000 Georgians and remove them from bank blacklists funded by Bidzina Ivanishvili-linked Kartu Foundation. Loans of less than 2,000 lati will be covered with a total value of over 1.5 billion lati. The loan forgiveness will occur in the last two weeks of December and applies to borrowers who have made no payments in the last year. Finance Minister Ivani Machavadiani said that he couldn't share exactly how much Cartu had agreed to pay because it's probably their commercial secret, while Cartu Foundation Board Chair Nikolos Chakhtiani said that they had uh, 100 million lati allocated for bad loans this fiscal year, much less than the amount announced by Bakhtadze. The initial announcement by Bakhtadze was unclear as to the source of the funding, but follow-up announcements clarified that it would come from Kartu. Two days before the announcement, former president and United National Movement Chair Misha Saakashvili said he would reduce the burden of loans 
by rescheduling debts and fixing the lottie at 1.65 to the dollar for loan repayment, but as a sort of policy initiative, not that he has or is going to have anytime soon any power to do anything like that. This move has been interpreted by many observers as blatant vote buying, which of course it is. The UNM Coalition Strength and Unity candidate uh, Vashadze called it a desperate step driven by fear and added that banks often write off small loans at the end of the year, calling it a trick that would result in the announced $1.5 billion payment. He also called for the annulment of some loan debts and for removing borrowers from blacklist prior to the Odsneba announcement. This whole thing doesn't get a, a big, big problem in Georgia, which is internet gambling, um, which is an epidemic, and many of the uh, the debts and problems, default-related and otherwise, are because of that, and the government has seen n- no interest in, in uh, trying to regulate that, um, perhaps because there's a lot of powerful individuals who make a lot of money from it, since internet gambling is essentially a way of transferring money from poor, confused people to uh, to rich people. The hardest working NGO in the caucus is Transparency International Georgia, along with the International Society for Free, America, Free Elections and Democracy and the Georgia Young Lawyers Association released a statement in response calling the move an unprecedented case of vote bribing, which should be taken up by law enforcement bodies. The prosecutor's office announced that they would, quote, hilariously investigate, quote, the private deal which affects a significant portion of the population, end quote, and press charges if criminal behavior was found. The same organizations also announced that an unnamed whistleblower from the Public Service Development Agency has accused the agency's head, Soso Giorgadze, and the agency's head of internal auditing, Bejan Obgaidze, of ordering the, the creation of illegal IDs in order to permit people to vote for Zurabashvili multiple times. The whistleblower said that orders were sent to all field office, offices to give certain individuals up to five IDs each, and that staff who were considered untrustworthy have been sent off on business trips. Giorgadze denies the accusation and plans to sue the NGOs for slander and damaging his reputation and that of his agency. This is a really big deal because Otsneva's record on democracy and elections is a good one for the most part, much better than Misha's. If this is true, and it seems likely that it is, then it shows that Otsneva will allow free and fair elections, but only when they know they will win them. That is sad and dangerous. The International Society for Fair Elections and Democracy has also reported unprecedented and widespread voter intimidation, including multiple cases of municipality officials and businessmen telling employees to vote for Zutabashvili or be fired, and three cases of allegedly political, politically motivated firing. A case was reported in Marnauli where a police officer allegedly threatened to arrest a Vashadze supporter and fine his family unless he stopped his activities. The Isred report also said that there are reports that Otsneba members canvass households in Batumi that they believe didn't vote in the first round, implying some kind of leak of voting records. Eight women's groups and NGOs released a statement accusing the Zutabashvili campaign of gender discrimination, noting the replacement of her image with that of various Otsneba leaders on campaign posters and her generally low-key role calling these developments evidence of the marginalization of female politicians. They recommended that Otsneba stop presenting Zutabashvili as a victim and to stop reinforcing gender stereotypes and presenting her as weaker than male politicians. They also called out Misha and Labor Party candidates Shalva Natalashvili for making sexist statements during the first round of campaigning. 
Vashadze has been touring the regions, visiting Batumi and Gori with promises to cut bureaucratic spending, increase pensions and IDP payments, raise police and teacher salaries, reduce pharmaceutical oil and banking monopolies, and to partially privatize state-owned companies. Meanwhile, Otsneva has officially taken over campaigning for Zutabashvili. Bidzina commented on the new election strategy, saying that the first round showed that people were displeased with the government, probably because of low coordination between state institutions and his team, and because Otsneva had lost sensitivity to the needs of the public before he returned to chair of the party. He also added that people will no longer be promoted or hold positions based on their loyalty to the team. Only professionalism and hard work will determine the staffing decisions. Uh-huh. And criticized the opposition for insulting Zurabashvili, saying that it does not benefit us to treat a lady like that. Georgians had always appreciated the role of women, how to respect women. Zurabashvili herself has been taking part in smaller campaign meetings with a women's group in Tbilisi, um, and a group of winemakers in Cajeti, where she talked about the need to spread economic activity to the regions, educate the youth about the dangers of drugs, and engage women in politics. The new Otsneba campaign features large billboards across the country with Otsneba leaders and slogans like, No Dictators Choose Freedom, and ugly pictures of UNM leaders on red, on red backgrounds with slogans like, No to Evil. It is reportedly organized by Israeli campaign strategist Moshe Klugaft, and Misha responded with some extremely anti-Semitic remarks, saying that Otsneba paid more than $1.2 million to some Jewish swindler Moshe to come up with campaign billboards with dreadful faces that they have put in Tbilisi. A group of 13 NGOs called No to Phobia released a statement expressing concern about his anti-Semitism, noting that this is not his first use of anti-Semitic or xenophobic language. Misha clarified on Facebook, saying that he has no problem with Jewish people, but has a <laughs> has a big problem with a concrete individual who arrived in the country he knows nothing about and is taking part in its final devastation in exchange for money. That, that he maintains that Klugaft is a swindler and that he loves and respects the Jewish people, including his Jewish daughter-in-law. But the reality is the following. There is an influx of swindlers in Georgia. The Israeli swindler Moshe has arrived to assist the Russian-Georgian swindler Bidzina. <laughs> UNM member of parliament Roman Gotsadiz stood up for Saakashvili saying, A swindler may be Georgian-Jewish and Russian. If it describes the reality correctly, it's not insulting. The word used in English really was swindler, and the Georgian word, <clears throat> at least as far as my background check indicates, has the exact same connotation. So sorry to say swindler seven times in one story, but I really had to, in order to be clear about how screwed up in any Semitic Misha's remarks were, um, that he and his team kept making over and over again. Zurabashvili continued to receive vast majorities of donations, with 81% in the first half of November, worth... Uh, 1,750,000 Lari, Vashadze raised just under 400,000 Lari. Prime Minister Mamuka Bakhtadze, European Commission President Jean-Claude Juncker, and other Georgian and EU officials met in Brussels on the 21st. Bakhtadze also met with European Council President Donald Tusk, High Representative for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, and Vice President of the European Commission Frederica Mojarini, Commissioner for European Neighborhood Policy and Enlargement Negotiations Johannes Hahn, Hahn and Foreign Minister David Zalkaliani signed the annual action program for uh, 2019 for Georgia and two additional financing agreements. 
Deputy NATO Secretary General Rose Gottemoller mentioned Georgia at the 64th annual session of the NATO Parliamentary Assembly in Halifax, Canada, calling the relationship important to NATO and saying that the door was open for Georgian and Ukrainian membership. Three members of Georgia's parliamentary delegation of the Assembly, Irakli Sesiasvili, Sopo Katsarava, and Georgi Kandalake, also attended. Like, what is this door is open? It's like the jailer opening the cell but cuffing the prisoner to the opposite wall. These metaphors are getting a little much. The Council of Europe's 1,329th meeting of ministers' deputies met on the 18th to discuss uh, conflict in Georgia between April and September 2018. As usual, they were denied access to both areas, but they uh, described the situation as generally calm and stable. However, following the Georgian government's implementation of Khozoria Tatunashvili blacklist, which sanctions people involved in the killing of Georgians in South Ossetia and Abkhazia, incident prevention and response mechanism meetings on both regions have been disrupted. They also noted marked increase in borderization in both regions. Justice Minister Tetsalukiani angered the opposition this week when she said in a TV interview that she could not control who was implicated by an international criminal court investigation into the 2008 war, implying that members of the Georgian military could also be found responsible for human rights abuses. Because Georgia is a member of the ICC, the government must fully cooperate with the court, unlike Russia. This has led to criticism that the government is not doing enough to protect the interests of the country. Vashadze said the government was washing their hands of the 2008 war veterans. Other opposition members worry that if individual soldiers are found to have committed war crimes, that label will be applied to the whole military and country and give legitimacy to Russia, South Ossetia, and Abkhazian claims. Otsneba responded by listing the ways UNM had compromised the country's national interests, including by practically leading the Russian army to Georgia through imprudent and treasonous policies, losing 150 villages, disarming and surrendering surrendering the Kodori Gorge, and abandoning civilians to our heroes' corpses, whose graves we would not have, if not for the personal sacrifice of our patriarch. Oh, God. Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin met with Abkhaz President uh, Raul Khajimba in Sochi on the 21st. Chief of Counterterrorism Center of State Security Service Irakli Chimakadze gave an interview this week to Kvitis Palitra where he talked about Ahmed Chataev, who was killed in a shootout with police in Tbilisi last November, and ISIS in Georgia. He said that the security service has been trying to track Chataev, had been trying to track Chataev since he issued threats against the government following the June 2015 arrest of ISIS recruiter and Pankizi resident uh, Ayuf. They lost him in Syria in 2016 before he resurfaced in Georgia in late 2017. Chimachadze said that they had operative information about planned attacks on the busy tourist area in Georgia and Turkey. He also added that they had records from Tamerlane Machalikashvili, a young man killed by the state security service in a controversial 2017 raid, linking him definitively to Chataev with evidence that he sympathized with suicide bombers and was open to being one at some point. Chimakadze also provided updates, uh, updated estimates on Georgian jihadists in Syria, saying that only about 15 were estimated to be there now, down from 50 in 2015, and 43 are believed to have died there. Georgian Shia Muslim leader, chair of the Supreme Religious Administration of Muslims of All Georgia, and Georgian government critic Mirtaghi Asadov was arrested in Azerbaijan earlier, earlier this month. The Azerbaijani government says he was arrested on charges 
of petty hooliganism and disobeying police after being caught swearing loudly into his phone and has admitted his guilt. However, Georgian rights groups and his family say that he was arrested a day earlier than the authorities say while crossing the border at the Red Bridge. Supporters have demanded that the Georgian government intervene since Asadov is a Georgian citizen. 22 experts and observers from 17 countries came to inspect the Luger lab just outside Tbilisi, which has been lately and not so lately accused by Russia of being a U.S. military lab used to spread biological contamination. The review was done under the auspices of the Biological Weapons Convention, concluded the lab is significantly transparent, that they observed nothing that was inconsistent with prophylactic, protective, and other peaceful purposes. Ministry of Education, Science, and Culture Sport released some information about new developments in education, including new curricula and textbooks. They revised the entire 7th grade curriculum in 2018 and plan to do 8th and ninth grade in 2019 with the younger grades in 2020, at which point they will purchase new textbooks. The focus of the new national curriculum is for students to help develop critical thinking, research creative and cooperative skills in addition to skills they currently learn, which tend tend towards rote memorization. A new collection of Vajap Shavela's poems translated into Japanese by Yasuhiro Kojima has been published. Switzerland's first Georgian restaurant, Pre Fury, recently opened in Lausanne. It was opened by Yez, uh, a Yezid Georgian family who left Georgia because of ethnic discrimination and has been very successful so far with some customers driving hundreds of kilometers to try the Hingali, Satsivi, and Khachapuri. The meme this week is a correct map of Georgia following some recent discussions in the country about mapping and legal consequences for incorrectly labeling South Ossetia and Abkhazia. This map has none of those problems, incorporating both territories and Tau, Dao into Georgian proper, Georgia proper. Um, it's, the whole map is in Georgian, but it's hilariously funny. Uh, labeled, the country that has been making wine for 8,000 years, neighboring countries are a country that claims to have been making wine for 8,000 years, a country that makes good food out of meat that Georgia makes better, a shitty occupying country represented by a shitty color, and the official homeland of Dolma just to hurt Armenia's feelings. Um, check it out. It is pretty funny. Caucasus scholar Tom Duvall wrote a foreign policy piece called When Georgians Go Low, Other Georgians Go Lower, discussing the aggressive campaigning style seen in the presidential election. He notes that 28 years ago, a reporter noted that the current multi-party election campaign in Georgia seems to have all the democratic spirit of a war between the Corleones and the Tataglias. And Duval says that the situation has gotten more civil, but only barely. This election is largely symbolic since the presidency has lost most of its powers and has thus turned into a referendum on Bidzina and Otsneba, and the results so far don't look so great for them. By the way, there's a new edition of his awesome book on the Caucasus, an introduction out, uh, Caucasus and Introduction. It's bringing it up to date. Check it out. It's the, uh, he was the only foreigner not paid by Bidzina, who accurately predicted the results of the 2012 parliamentary election, um, at least in terms of an Otsneva win. If you had to pick one, he's the best writer on the region, and there's lots of competition. If you want to get a Christmas present for somebody that explains what's up in this place that you care a lot about, you couldn't do better than this one. The Caucasus and Introduction. Misha wrote, about, uh, wrote an annoying and patronizing response to the DeWall article, 
also in foreign policy, titled Make Georgia Great Again, get it, Make Georgia Great Again, in which he argues that DeWall's depiction of the election as a contest between Bidzina and Saakashvili is incorrect, regardless, DeWall described it as a vote as one against Bidzina, not for Misha, but then Misha tried to put himself into DeWall's argument, although he was not there. Um, he said the Georgians' uh, voters are abandoning Otsneba because of the economy. Um, he says that unemployment is the top issue for voters. Noted the GDP growth has stagnated while the lorry is appreciated against the dollar and brings numerous corruption cases and scandals, as well as the fact that Bidzina's Fortune is estimated to be worth half of Georgia's GDP. He ends by saying that Duval, saying to Duval, it is understandable that foreign experts may sometimes miss the mark when analyzing Georgian politics. One thing Georgians are famous for, even in the most difficult times, is treating guests in our country extremely well. Like I said, it's wildly patronizing considering how well um, Duval has done, but Misha's uh, relentless efforts to get himself in the news or media somewhere and to kiss Donald Trump's ass uh, has led him uh, to this and, and many other similar attempts. Well, the bulletin of the of uh, Atomic Scientist published an insightful look at the possible implications of the Russian campaign against the Luger Lab and other public health labs that they've accused of producing biological weapons. Many groups, including the U.S. Embassy in Georgia, dismiss the allegations as ridiculous and ignore them, but they point out that this campaign does more than just waste the time of PR people. It sows distrust and may be used as an excuse to justify further military interference. But perhaps even more importantly, these accusations may erode international norms against biological weapons, encouraging more countries to use them. Russia ramped up their media campaign following the Salisbury attack and further increased it after arrest warrants were released for two Russian suspects in an effort to make it seem like the use of biological weapons as a both sides issue. The article also notes that pro-Syrian government media has picked up the story and the Syrian government has brought up these allegations at the UN General Assembly meeting, probably in order to excuse their use of chemical weapons. It's a great article by scientists, not the usual cold warriors, and makes some good points about why not to ignore BS from the Kremlin. One thing I will say about this is I looked into how to tour the Luger lab um, to see if that was relatively easy. Um, and it's not. It's not to say that it's hidden. It's just that they don't really have particularly clear and open methods for the public to tour it. Um, it doesn't seem like biology students and university are, are brought specifically there to take a look at it. And that would be a, uh, an easy first step to, uh, to, to getting rid of some of these, uh, these rumors created by the Kremlin. OC Media wrote about Georgia's imagined tolerance using CRC survey results to discuss the gap between the perception and reality of intolerance. While Georgians often pride themselves on their tolerance throughout history and in the present, survey found that Georgians' per, uh, preferred business partners were Russian, Western European, and Azerbaijani, while their least preferred were LGBTQ, Avar, and African. Respondents thought that LGBTQ people, women, and Turks were the most likely to be victims of hate crimes, while Jews, Abkhaz, and Avers were the least likely minority groups to be victimized. 41% of the men believed women faced no significant issues in society, and 29% of Georgians felt that way about ethnic minorities. The article presents some solutions to these problems, including increasing contact between minority and majority groups, reducing hate speech in the media, and increasing media coverage of minority issues. What is the deal with Avars? And who are, by the way, a group in and around Dagestan? But that's kind of strange. Anyway, 
Online travel magazine Seeker posted a guide by a former Peace Corps volunteer on surviving your first Georgian Supra, covering all the basics, how to eat for four hours, toasting, and, of course, some alcohol avoidance strategies. It's actually pretty good, quite useful for those who have not been to one. All this stuff to read is posted on the forum. This week's dive bar number is 4,042. The number of Turkish citizens who could only speak Georgian according to the 1965 census. Tbilisi's Fotografia Gallery will host Conversias 10 on the 23rd at 8 p.m., one of a series of open meetings with local artists featured interviewees or photographer Mari Ataleni, uh, illustrator Georgi Jincharadze, and jazz vocalist and sound artist Gavanza Japaridze. Georgian Young Greens have organized a scattered exhibition in Tbilisi on the 23rd and 4th, sharing photographs and the history of now-defunct Tbilisi tramways at various points across the city. The exact location of the images distributed between Tamar Mepe Street and Hero Square can be found through the Georgian Greens Facebook page. National Museum, the Polish Katyn Museum, and the Polish Army Museum in Warsaw, and the Polish Institute in Tbilisi present an exhibition uh, presenting Katyn, it has uh, been an unusual morning at the Simon Janaccia Museum in Tbilisi. The exhibit is dedicated to the Katyn massacre in which 22,000 Polish prisoners uh, were murdered by the NKVD. The exhibit runs through the 30th of November. The exhibit Fifth Room Correction of Mistakes by Georgian contemporary artist Chubika is on display at the National Academy of Sciences in Tbilisi through the 8th of December explores the concept of will, as in free will, and is dedicated to the film director Misha uh, Kobachidze. It's part of the third Tbilisi triennial. A new exhibition has opened in Tbilisi's underground Patara Gallery titled I Exist When You Are Here, where you never were, I can never be. The artist, uh, Keu Meparishvili, looks at the architecture of Guldani examining the human environment, chaos, repetition, urban collapse, and freedom. The exhibit runs through the 10th of January. On the 27th, the Royal Asiatic Society in London will host their annual Rustavelli Day beginning 6 p.m. featuring a talk by British-Georgian actress Mika uh, Iveria and a presentation on a new book by El Guja Kintabidze uh, on medieval Georgian romance, followed by a reception. Georgian pianist uh, Mariam Batashvili, uh, Batashvili will be performing in the UK this week at London's Cadogan Hall on the 27th at 7 p.m., at Derngate, Northampton on the 28th at 7.30, and at the Corn Exchange in Cambridge on the 29th at 7.30. She is the first woman in history to win the International Franz Liszt Piano Competition and will be performing Liszt's first piano concerto in E-flat minor with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. She is a very big deal. Go to this if you can. As mentioned, the new edition of Tom Duvall's classic book, The Caucuses, an introduction, is out in the U.S. Uh, on December the 1st in the U.K. on January 31st. Pre-order now. That's it for this week. My Twitter address is at TXTBUK. Our email is spielpod at gmail.com or post the form on our website, www.spielpod.com. And we will finish with... From all over the place, 2004, this is Madeline Peru, and don't wait too long.
It may rain, it may shine, love. 